This is Paul Trapp, cartoonist behind the comic strip That a Baby, and you are listening to Cheap Talk. It's time for some Cheap Talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. And with that familiar music, you are listening to your Cheap Trick podcast, Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. The only exclusive Cheap Trick podcast, correct, BJ? Unfortunately, yeah. I wouldn't mind hearing more. Yeah. The more trick, the better. And today, on the other end of the Cheap Talk hotline, we have Paul Trapp. Can you tell us a little bit about Paul Trapp, BJ? Paul Trapp is an artist. He does a syndicated comic strip is it daily paul it is daily seven days a week paul's on our radar because mainly because of a comic strip i think back in june where one of the main characters in his strip was shouting out the window why isn't cheap trick in the rock and roll hall of fame why isn't cheap trick in the rock and roll hall of fame and that actually made it to cheaptrick.com but paul's actually made several references to cheap trick in his comic strip over the years among a lot of other rock and roll bands. Because of his obvious fandom for Cheap Trick, I contacted him and asked him if he would like to come on the podcast and talk about the greatest rock band of all time. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> so, Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very good. Thanks for having me on. Could you give us the name of your comic strip and tell folks about it? Yeah, the comic strip is called That a Baby, which is one word, and it is a semi-autobiographical tale of my wife and I raising our son who uh, refused to sleep for the first two years of his life. And um, it's a per- parenting strip. It's about um, you know lots of poop jokes and a lot of pop culture references. Um, something that's developed in the strip over the years is um, what I experienced as a parent, what do you introduce to your kid in terms of pop culture? You know, when do you show him the Star Wars movies? You know, what do you play on the radio for him? And um, uh, and that's you know one of the better parts of the journey of being a parent. Parenting done right. Uh, there you go. If your kid is screaming, "I want Cheap Trick in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame," that's parenting done right. So uh, <laughs> so how how did you get into cartooning? We'll, we'll we'll get that out of the way, and then we'll talk about your Cheap Trick fandom. I've always been drawing. And I think a lot of cartoonists have the same tale. Drew for this high school newspaper, drew for the college newspaper. I worked a lot of newspapers over the years um, in the newsroom. When you're a cartoonist, you always think someday you would like to be a syndicated cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And there was a contest on Amazon.com called Comic Strip Superstar. And I submitted, did not win, but along the line, I did get an a offer from Universal UClick to uh, syndicate that a baby. That is the tale. I've been at it about four years now. And you are syndicated all around the country. And what was it like being a fan of Cheap Trick to find out that (laughs) your comic wound up on the Cheap Trick website? Yeah, that was quite a surprise. I, of course, had to uh, take some uh, screenshots of that and uh, send it to friends. Yeah. So that was very flattering. And it was great. You know, they took someone, took a picture of it in a newspaper. So. I usually see the comic strip online. It's at a website called Go Comics, which mm-hmm. is a portal for all the cartoon strips syndicated by University of Click. And um, but it was fun to see it actually printed on newsprint and uh, highlighted on that uh, website. I know that when uh, I found it myself, I I went and I found the uh, website 
that, that had the actual cartoon on it. And it was it was great to find because that came out around the time that we did our show focusing on why isn't Cheap Trick in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why isn't Cheap Trick in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, one of the nice things about this is that you reached out to me and then I discovered your podcast. And I've had a great time, uh, you know, going back and catching up on all the episodes. You know, I work um, out of a home office, mm-hmm. and you're always looking for, you know, things on the internet to keep you entertained in terms of <laughs> podcasting and radio shows. And um, yeah, it was a real treat to uh, hear the good work that you guys do. And we should let people know that your books, That a Baby, are all available on Amazon.com, and they're very inexpensive, especially for the Kindle editions. That they're they're only like two ninety nine a piece, and you get some really cool comics. And it's like like BJ was saying, it's full of pop culture reference. We're talking everything from the Ramones, the Monkees, the Beatles, tons of Cheap Trick, Kiss, all that stuff. So if you're a fan of something cool, and you especially want to pick up the Kindle edition, it is it is so neat. I particularly love the one where you have the father sitting down with the baby, and He's introducing him to the Beatles. Yep. That is so cool, and I love how you incorporated the Beatles into the artwork and everything. It was so fantastic. Again, people need to pick this up at Amazon.com. Do a search for That A Baby and download it for your Kindle. $2.99. It's worth it. I appreciate the plug. Well, we'll we'll do another one, trust me. (laughs) Uh, So let's find out a little bit about your cheap trick history, if you will. How you found the band, your favorite album, and all that sort of stuff. So where do we start? Well, I graduated high school in 1980. Mm. And so those high school years, lots of time spent cruising around in your parents' cars. And um, car radios back then were only AM radio. I'm really going to date myself here. (laughs) <laughs> and I grew up in um, a town called Grand Haven, Michigan. It's on Lake Michigan, um, a few hours north of Chicago. And we would wait for the sun to go down so the AM waves could bend over the lake. And we could get WLS out of Chicago, which yes. was tough. Because all the other AM stations on the radio were news and whatnot. And so um, through WLS, you know, uh, heard I Want You to Want Me for the First Time and Surrender. That summer we graduated, we had a friend, Christy, and she said, Cheap Trick's coming to Lansing, Michigan, which was two hours away. And she got us tickets, and uh, we went and um, saw the band live, had great seats in the Lansing Civic Center. They uh, were touring behind uh, All Shook Up. Pete Comito was in the band. Yeah. 
because then when I went to Michigan State University as a freshman, met all these kids from Detroit, and it seemed like every one of them had seen Cheap Trick and Kiss at the Pontiac Silverdome. And so at least I had a little Cheap Trick story to, to add to the conversation. It was great to catch up with the band, you know, through their albums. You know, they were a band where you knew all four members of the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even when uh, they, you know, uh, shuffled through some bass players there, you knew who they were too. Uh, right. A lot like the Ramones in that respect, where so many other bands of the day, you know, Ario Speedwagon, and you know, I couldn't tell you who was in the band, but Cheap Trick just had this, you know, they were packaged very well in terms of their image and um, their artwork, and again, that all four members of the band were, you know, you know, you, you knew that you kind of felt like you're part of the Cheap Trick club. Yeah, they're they're very rare in the world of rock where someone can become that iconic, where a band can become uh, something of a group but still maintain its individuality. You know, like you mentioned the Ramones, there was never any real distinction between those guys. In a sense, Cheap Trick was more like the Beatles or Kiss or the Monkees where each member was its own strong individual within that group context. Yep. Absolutely. And I always felt yeah. that was very strong marketing. BJ? Yeah, I think you would kind of have to say that Cheap Trick are the band, maybe the the rock band in history with the most personality. You know what I mean? And, and that's probably one of the things that, that's obviously one of the things that people love so much about the band is that aspect of it that isn't really present in a lot of other bands. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's been said before, you know, that um, the band has, has cool guys in it and nerds in it. And so there's something for everybody. Right. <laughs> Which did you identify with more? Oh, I don't coming? think I had picked out any person to uh, rally behind. But again, I was, um, you just kind of embrace that band just for their group aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So what was it like seeing them live for the first time? 
Well, part of it was, it was just one of my very first concert experiences. And uh, Lansing is a two hour drive away, so it kind of seemed like an epic road trip. And somewhere I have three minutes of Super 8 uh, movie footage, because I brought a camera with me to the show. Yeah. And of course I didn't take any sound, but I have three minutes of um, Robin and uh, Rick racing around the stage, and I should dig that out sometime and take a look at it. And that was a pretty brief window there to get to see Pete Kamita in the band. I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, and then over the years, I mean, Cheap Trick is always on tour. And I, I have a big box of all the ticket stubs I've collected over the years. I need to shuffle through them to see how many times I've seen the band because they're always at a state fair or coming through town or opening for somebody. So they are probably the band I've seen live more than, than any other band. Yeah. So had a real treat in Boston um, uh, when we lived there. Um, they did come to the Rock and Roll, or the House of Blues, and I was able to take our kid. And um, and it was one of the last, um, it's like a month before Bunny left the band. So I'm very grateful we got to see all four guys together. That's good. You know, BJ, you mentioned uh, the rare opportunity to see Pete Camino. He's almost like the unicorn of Cheap Trick. You know, people speak of him. And we believe that he exists, but, you know, <laughs> for a lot of people, you know, they, they, they didn't get a chance to experience Pete Comita. And that was such a strange story at the time. I remember them telling us that, uh, you know, Peter, or Pete Comita couldn't do interviews because he was Italian and, <laughs> and, and did not speak English so well, you know. So, but Yeah, that uh, was all a part of the cheap trick mystique, which was... Just a satirical, <laughs> ridiculous mystique. Yeah, basically they had like a satire of a band mystique going on, which was great. Um, it's been fun catching up with your show because you you provide so much history about the band. So is there any story about Pete, what he went on to do, or what he's up to now? Yeah, good question. I mean, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't go on to do very much. There was a band called USSA that he had. I think that was with Bob James, who had been the guy that replaced Sammy Hagar in Montrose. Mm -hmm. But they didn't really do anything. And, I mean, yeah, he never really did anything else after Cheap Trick of note, you know. did He did make it into the Viewmaster, the Cheap yeah. Trick Viewmasters. <laughs> so. Wow. Which, you know, speaking about those Cheap Trick Viewmasters, they're starting to age if if you know what i mean they're kind of uh starting to the age of the viewmasters is starting to catch up with them and like any kind of film they're they're starting to degrade over time <laughs> really yeah i have a, i have an email alert from ebay every time somebody puts those on ebay i get an email but yeah. you know they're too pricey <laughs> for me absolutely i hope someone's on the internet um somehow digitizing those yeah. Oh yeah, there you can. Yeah, you can find the pictures. There's some great pictures okay. uh, of those online. Yeah, Paul, I was going to ask if you remember who opened that Lansing show in 1980. Who was the opening band? Oh, it was 38 Special. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another show I saw that summer was um, Toto and Off Broadway opened for them, and I just bring that up because you had talked about that band on an earlier episode of your podcast. Yeah, and actually, I'm in the process of lining up Cliff Johnson, the singer of Off Broadway, to come on oh, Rock and Door Roll. So hopefully that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, Rick Shaluga told us some great stories about Off Broadway. <laughs> yeah, and actually, speaking of Pete Comita, he was in a band with Cliff Johnson before Off Broadway called The Thumbs, uh, mm -hmm. that John Brandt was also in the same band. So there's another cheap trick connection. 
I yeah. did appreciate that with Cheap Trick that when they um, would add a new bass player, they seemed like they were fully embraced because they would appear on the album covers and the artwork. You know, a lot of times the bands, when they have somebody new, you know, they'll just, you know, pretend they're not there. Well, kind of like they do with Dax now. <laughs> He's not in the, the promo, sh you know. Like uh, they're going to be, uh, I'm going to be seeing them at the Walworth County Fair soon. And in all the promo for that, it's just the three guys. Dax go. isn't yep. in the pictures, yeah. But actually, I think they've been using a picture that Bunny was in and they just <laughs> cut him out. <laughs> Luckily, he was on the end. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. I, w I, I, yeah. I wonder if that will change now that it's all been settled. Settled, meaning that Bunny still owns one fourth of the band, so yeah. I don't know. But it's going to be kind know. of weird if they put a new album out, which they're talking about that it's already been recorded. Right. If they put an album out and <laughs> you can't put the yeah, are they, they going to yeah. do a Bon Jovi and just have the three guys on the cover or not? Yeah. Yeah. Unless Bunny has some kind of a legal, <laughs> who knows? Maybe there's some kind of a legal thing where they they can't put Dax in the official artwork or something. I don't know. We'll see. When you mentioned that um, Bunny has a share of the band, does he uh, get a paycheck when they go on tour? Or is it just from... I believe so. I believe he gets a, still gets a quarter of everything, which is, I think, what the whole legal battle was over. So, in essence, Bunny won. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, to me, it makes sense. When you spend your entire adult life, 40-whatever years, building a business with three other guys, they can't just say, okay, you're out of the business. I mean, it, it wouldn't work that way in any other business arrangement, so... It's kind of uh, sad to look at a band as a business, but when it, you've spent as long as Cheap Trick have building this thing, then you can't just say, well, see you later, you know, you're out. It see, doesn't I, really work that way. I really don't think it's a sad thing to look at a band as a business because this is something that you're putting your life's blood into, your talent into. This is, in effect, your career, and I think that it's sad that a lot of bands don't think about it that way. There's there's those guys that get into the bands and they have this romantic idealism of what a band is, and those are usually the ones that are left on the sidelines. And it's it's well, very yes, sad. Well, yes, yes. Can I have that romantic idealism of what a band is? I mean, well, yeah. I, there's listen, there's the there's the divide between art and commerce, right. and you know, I you also know, business have. can kill art. So oh, absolutely, it's just, it can. There's just a, uh, I mean, there's a line they have to straddle, but you know. Right. A band like Cheap Trick, yeah, obviously they they've made a career of it, and it's a, you know, it's it's more than just those four guys now, but yeah. Well, at some point it stops being those four guys when you have the back of a road crew and everybody depending on this thing going forward. Right. You know, it actually kind of becomes almost like a, I hate to say it, but like a Broadway show or something. You know, that that has to become sustainable. I, too, have that romantic idealism, BJ, but I've also seen how things go if you don't take care of business, and it's often sad for the people who don't keep it together, so I'm glad that they reached a settlement, that Cheap Trick did reach a settlement. We do not know, you know, I, I think it's fair that we say that we do not know the uh, ins and outs of it, nor do we really want to. It's, it's up to those guys to maintain and make it happen. Well, I believe that basically the band's counter lawsuit was thrown out. Mm. And at that point, they either had to just go through the whole court or deal with Bunny or settle out of court. So they just settled. Mm. You know, I think that's what happened. Interesting. Have you two thought ahead to the day when they do get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Uh, if uh, Bunny will take the stage with them? 
I have thought about that, and I really hope that he does. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years Cheap Trick do get in. I sure hope they do. And They have to. They're running out of uh, people. Yeah. It's all <laughs> it's all pretty fresh, the whole bunny thing. So if they do get in in the, in the near future, it will be interesting to see what happens. But I would find it hard to believe that they wouldn't have Bunny up there with them. Right. I did the comic strip about um, that Cheap Trick should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And if there is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they absolutely should be in it. But I'm not a big fan of the whole concept of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. kind of breaks my heart every year when you uh, watch the broadcast and your heroes get up on stage and talk about themselves. And then they perform in front of the suits eating dinner and checking their cell phones. It just seems very un-rock and roll, the whole setup. And then it's led to some, you know, tremendously awkward moments that I hope Cheap Trick can avoid. Um, Blondie comes to mind where oh my. all the members of Blondie were there and they didn't perform together. And the same thing with um, uh, John Fogarty and Credence. Yeah. So, and look what happened with Van Halen. I mean, what if no. only what if Bunny was the only one that showed up? <laughs> That's like what happened with Van Halen. Huh? Yeah, I thought about that. That's ouch. Yeah, the Blondie thing was really bad because Frank Infante and um, was it Nigel Harrison? They got up there on stage and yelled about how they weren't going to get to play with the band. That made it tremendously awkward. Absolutely. Isn't Bunny playing in other bands now around Chicago? He plays in Rockford a lot. He, well, actually, his band that he had before Cheap Trick, the Pagans, have they've gotten back together. Yeah. Well, they call it the New Pagans now, and they've been playing. <laughs> it's um, like the old originals. <laughs> and the new <laughs> originals. They, he plays on Monday nights usually, and uh, I I live only an hour from Rockford, and I've been meaning to go down there and see him one of these. But I work second shift, so I have to take yeah. off work to go. But uh, that's tough. Yeah. What was Bunny's band? His side project recently? Tin and Windows? Tin and Windows, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tin and Windows, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was a pretty good album. One of your strips that I love, and it, it deals with parents kind of realizing their role in, in raising their child, and it starts off with the, the baby in his crib. <laughs> screaming mommy's all right the next panel is daddy's all right the next panels they just seem a little weird and then they show the parents trying to get some sleep in the other room listening to the baby and the father says you know you're old when you become the mommy and daddy in surrender and i just (laughs) just love that one it's so funny people really need to pick up this book now when you saw them with pete camina did you have a favorite performance or favorite song oh, from that show? I can't think of a specific moment because, again, um, you know, going to a rock concert like that was a fairly new experience for me. So I was kind of blown away by the whole show. You know, I hadn't been to enough concerts to know, you know, how the encores work and, you know, you know how a, a show was paced. So, yeah, it was, you know, and part of that was just fun to be with your friends, you know, having this great, you know, big road trip and going to a strange new place and seeing a band. So... Yeah, it was just a great night. Now let's talk about your Cheap Trick buying history. Where did you start? Like like when you started buying the Cheap Trick albums, where did you start? You know, because you came into it in 1980, so where'd you go? Probably started with the Budokan, of course, and then I went backwards with uh, Heaven Tonight and In Color, and I think I actually had those on cassette tape. And um, then followed the band... Um, uh, 
forward from there with All Struck Up and then um, their albums from um, the 80s that were, you know, where they had quite a bit of screen time on MTV. Did you have a favorite Cheap Trick single? Or actually, a favorite Cheap Trick song? I'm going to have you pick two different ones. One that's just a balls-out rocker and one that's like the ballad. On top of the world's high on the list. Ooh. Oh, yeah.
a, another favorite song of mine. I don't think it's quite a ballad, but um, I'm surprised it's not a bigger hit than it. It never really was a hit, but it's I Can't Take It from the 80s. I think that's an excellent little pop tune. Yeah, that's one of those sad cases along with If You Want My Love, You've Got It, where I run into people all the time that know those songs. And it's it's like if all these people seem to know these tracks, then where's the disconnect? Is it... Is it that they just saw them on uh, MTV or what? You know, it, it's just kind of strange. I um, saw Cheap Trick probably in the '90s, and they had a residency in Boulder, Colorado, where they played I think four nights in a row and did a, their first four albums, or mm-hmm. maybe just albums. And um, we got there to see In Color. You know, very tricky. We just had a had a kid. You know, getting a babysitter to sneak out for the night and do something like that. And um, <laughs> so they played In Color you know, front to back, and then had an encore, and they did play I Can't Take It, and um, Rick introduced it as, you know, like a great pop song that, you know, he didn't have a, an explanation why it wasn't a bigger hit for the band. So, got to hear live.
I think uh, back, you know, in that era, the early 80s, I think they just didn't get any radio play. They did get some MTV play, but I I don't know for sure, but I think probably a big part of it was there was just no real push, maybe from the record label, and they just didn't get a lot of radio play, and that's really what it took most of the time to have a hit single. You had to at least get it on the radio a reasonable amount. Right. Well, nothing against Huey Lewis and the News, but Cheap Trick just weren't Huey Lewis and the News or whatever was on the radio at that time. It's 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 kind of bizarre because I remember like I I grew up in the the area where like Cleveland was like the big radio station, you know, WMMS. And man, when Cheap Trick was coming to town, you heard the singles from that new album and you heard a lot of Cheap Trick. Like they definitely would do a push. So like I was kind of spoiled because I thought that Cheap Trick was being played everywhere, you know. Yeah, well, growing up in the Midwest, you know, it's a yeah, it's a whole different experience with Cheap Trick. They're much more well known and more highly respected. I mean, you know, where I live now outside Madison, Madison is where Ken Adamani actually had his offices managing the band, and it was kind of like a home away from home for them. They were almost considered like a local band around you know southern wisconsin i mean i just went to the to a record show in milwaukee and you know there's all these old record guys there and every one of those guys loves cheap trick it does it every single every customer at the record show every vendor at the record show they all love cheap trick but they just never crossed over to like the uh like you were saying the huey lewis fans which again nothing against huey lewis they're fine band i enjoy them uh, it 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 just didn't seem to make sense sometimes because it was almost like an anything goes kind of thing in the eighties, especially. You had everything from Prince to Madonna, Van Halen. You know, it seemed like everybody and anything could be possible. And Cheap Trick were in there, but it's sad that they weren't a bigger band. But then again, I loved Up the Creek, so what the hell do I know? <laughs> <laughs>
let me um, ask a couple questions with your encyclopedic knowledge of the band. A um, couple of songs I've been looking for, mm-hmm. and I wonder if you can tell me about them. Um, somewhere along the line, I collected um, some demos, and one was a song called If Only My Girl Was a Little More Like You, and it's a pretty rough mix, and I was wondering if there is a cleaner version of that song out there. I think it's from Lack of Luxury, the demos for that album. Yeah, I have that song. I don't remember it being really bad quality. Um, I'm not sure, you know, with with bootlegs like that, you never quite know what you're going to get. Right. I'm not sure if there's a better better quality than what you, what you have. Oh, okay. I was just going to say it's a, a fun song. That yeah. I think, uh, you know, work well on the album somewhere. Well, I did a, a Christmas episode uh, of the podcast a couple years ago where I played a whole bunch of rare cheap trick songs, and I'm pretty sure I played that song on there. I can't remember for sure, but so um, the version I have is probably the only one that's out there. Then, but there might be a better quality than what you have, depending on you know what what bootleg you have or whatever. Well, here's the version that we have.
one is is there a clean recording of Sun Love Through from Rock and Roll? No, there is not, unfortunately. Because there was no soundtrack released for that. And they put the other songs on the box set, but because that was I think that song was written by Chris Stein and Debbie Harry, maybe. Yeah. So since that was more of a Blondie song, they, I guess they probably didn't have the permission or didn't want to put it on the box set, and then Blondie has never released it. And then, yeah, so unfortunately, the only way to hear that song is with all the movie sound effects and everything in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big hole because that's a great song. Yeah. Well, that's disappointing to hear because you're right, yeah. it is a good song. And when you listen to it now, it gets pretty muddy when the uh, creatures are battling. And- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy they never put out a soundtrack, but that movie there were that movie actually didn't come out for like three years after it was made and they changed the name. I think it was made in Canada. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, they had problems even just getting the movie released. So by the time they got the movie out there they just they never bothered with a soundtrack. I mean, I'm sure they originally had a soundtrack planned. I mean obviously when you've got Cheap Trick and Lou Reed and Iggy Pop and Blondie and everything in your movie, you're going to put out a soundtrack, but I guess just because of the problems they had, it just never happened, really. It's too bad. I mean, that would be a huge part of a Cheap Trick collection, to have that if there was actually a soundtrack, but... You mentioned Up the Creek. Have you guys done a uh, podcast episode of just Cheap Trick on soundtracks? Yeah. That was one of the earliest episodes. Yeah, that was fun. If you check out our fifth episode of Cheap Talk with Trick Chat, number five, the soundtrack Summer Spectacular in right. 3D. <laughs> so we'll also put that in the show notes. Very good. I'll look forward to uh, taking that one up. You know, when you do your Cheap Trick archaeology, it is interesting, all the movies that their music has shown up on. Yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great songs from soundtracks by the band. Cody and Transformers and Top Gun. Spring Break. Yeah. Spring Break, yes. That one was fun. I love that one. You know, you mentioned seeing the band around that time, and it really it really was a splintered time for the bands in, in some ways because you had such strong material, like, but they were on, like, for example, to me, Reach Out was incredibly strong, but it was on the heavy metal soundtrack. And the band did play it live, but it would have been cool if it would have wound up as a bonus track on one-on-one or something like that. I think it would have helped maybe sell that album. What do you think about that, BJ? Yeah, that is a fan favorite for sure. That's uh, to think that kind of one of the fans' favorite songs by the band. Not only did they, it, they didn't write the song, which is weird that Pete Kamita <laughs> was a co-writer on that song, but supposedly there was no connection. Like, supposedly the people doing the soundtrack asked Cheap Trick to do that song, and then it turned out that Pete Kamita had also just joined the band, but that yeah. was just a coincidence. But uh, I don't know if it would have really fit on one-on-one, though. But if they had maybe re-recorded it with Roy Thomas Baker, that could have been really cool. But, of course, by that time, Pete Kamita was out of the band. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I guess it would have led from a very uncomfortable situation, but it would have helped, I feel, from a sales point of view. You know, to try and actually, I don't know if it's still there, but Pete Comita had a MySpace page where you could hear his original demo of that song. Yeah. It sounds like we need a Pete Comita episode. Well, we've, we've actually, <laughs> we've tried to track him down. We've tried to track him down, but it's, it's hard to find him. Every once in a while, he shows up in Chicago, and people like Matt Cassane bump into him, but uh, our, our, our good friend Matt Cassane. 
but uh, it, it's hard to uh, track the guy down. So if anybody has any information about Pete Kamita, let us know. We'd love to do an interview with him. So. Yeah, if I do get to talk to Cliff Johnson, I will ask him if he knows how to get in touch with, with him. Excellent. Now, one of the three books that you can get on Amazon from Paul Trapp, and again, that's That A Baby, like in That A Boy, so just think of that, you know, That A Baby Rocks Out is the one that I really recommend that you check out. It's excellent. We will put the links for it in the show notes. And I love the description here of the book. It says, when his parents are asleep and the gate to his crib is securely locked, that's when that a baby really shines. His nightly solo concerts feature everything from country to classic rock, disco to doo-wop, and more often than not, leave his mom and dad singing the blues. <laughs> that, that a baby is the infant born too busy to sleep and through air guitar lessons, impromptu Van Halen dance party, and other musical adventures with mom and dad, he's well on his way to becoming the world's most sonically sophisticated baby. So, I really want to encourage folks to check this out. It's only two ninety nine on Amazon.com, and probably, is it also available on iTunes? Oh, that I do not know. Oh, well, screw I iTunes. No, uh... <laughs> Paul, this is probably a peek behind the curtain, but how old is that a baby now? Our son is 22 years old. Wow. <laughs> so is he is he currently a Cheap Trick fan? or? <laughs> um, I would say he appreciates the band. Yeah. He very much loves uh, music, goes to see a lot of shows. He went to a lot of concerts with us um, growing up because, I, you know, rock and roll is still in its infancy. And a lot of the greats are getting pretty old. So, you know, we made an effort to make sure he saw Chuck Berry, uh, Paul McCartney, and, you know, other bands. I, you know, just thought it was important for him to go see these people live once. You know, whether you like them, like them or not, it's important to see these uh, people who have created this thing called rock and roll. Yeah, I've made the same efforts. My daughter's eight, and she's seen Weird Al Yankovic twice. So I'm oh, also nice. trying to get her to see the greats. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we took him to see uh, Weird Al, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's seen Cheap Trick three times, and number four <laughs> will be coming up. So, <laughs> is she the youngest person at these shows? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I mean, the first time she saw Cheap Trick, I don't think she even remembers because she was maybe four, and she fell asleep. You know, it 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 was a. Uh, Probably the last, the third time was the first time she stayed awake for the whole show. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we took our son to see uh, the Rolling Stones back before he went to school, and uh, yeah, he fell asleep during that show too. Despite the fact we were um, sitting pretty um, close to the stage, and the show ended with uh, these gigantic fireballs, you know, blasting, and you could feel the heat roll over you. Um, yeah, yeah, never woke up during that. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You can't believe that they can sleep through that. But Through World War III. Uh, <laughs> you know, you mentioned how old that a baby is now. What about your partner in crime through all this, your wife? Is she a, a Cheap Trick fan? She has been a trooper. She has uh, seen many Cheap Trick shows with me. And, um, yeah, she's a, a, a good part of her going to see concerts. That's awesome. That's important to have. That is fantastic. Would you like to dedicate a song to her? I would. Well, let's just go with surrender. Okay. It's an odd choice for a husband to ask a wife to <laughs> surrender, but hey, it's your guys' marriage, you know, whatever. No, oh. And here is, what, what's her name? Uh, Patty. Patty. Patty, this is a long-distance dedication from Paul Trapp to his wife, Patty. 
It's Cheap Trick with Surrender. <laughs>
Casey Kasem. <laughs> I don't know why I have to come out of an up-tempo number into <laughs> something about a dog dying. Anyway. <laughs> Just make sure you don't play it with the original lyrics. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Where do you hope to see that a baby go in the future? I'm having fun doing the strip. I would like to see it in more newspapers. Uh, This week it um, began running in our our hometown paper here in Omaha, so I'm excited about that. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. It's weird, you know, it says in the Bible that a prophet is rarely appreciated in his hometown. So (laughs) (laughs) it's weird that you finally are getting the paper now. Yeah, it's Uh, a a big deal. So I'm excited about that. But, you know, it kind of goes parallel with, like, uh, Cheap Trick. There's got to be some people that are like, oh, not those guys again. You know what I mean? That that live around that area. Uh What do you think, BJ? I don't know, everyone, it's around this area, everyone has a cheap trick story, you know. I meet people at work all the time. I remember one guy telling me he used to live in an apartment where cheap trick lived like across the river and he could go out on his porch and listen to them practice. <laughs> you always hear stories like that from people around here. They're, I mean, they really, are, for the for the Midwest, they kind of are like the hometown heroes. Well, do you they're, think they're, that they're that... the kind of band, I don't know how you could get sick of them, you know. Right. They're not well, they're... overplayed, for one thing. Yeah. And they're just so damn good, and you know. I was impressed that um, I had a friend of mine tell me a story that the band just played Red Rocks, which is a great venue. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen a show there, you need to go see anything at Red Rocks in uh, Morrison, Colorado. But they were uh, opening for Peter Frampton, and yes. Peter Frampton couldn't go on that night, so they just made it a night with Cheap Trick. Uh, you have to appreciate that they could play twenty. They know twenty-eight songs, where a lot of bands know their seven song set list and that's it yeah a lot of bands could have done that you know a lot of bands could not have done that plain and simple I'm seeing them on what is it September 6th and I'm really hoping they have pulled out one of my favorites looking out for number one they've pulled it out a few times this summer so I really have my fingers crossed that they're going to do that one and also it really crushed me that Last summer, yeah, I guess last summer, only maybe a week or two after I saw them, they for two shows out on the East Coast, they played Standing on the Edge, which, well, I probably would have fainted <laughs> if they did that song when I saw them, so maybe it's good they didn't do it. I probably would have passed out, but... uh You would have stood on the edge and then fell right over it. <laughs> yeah. Now, Paul, you mentioned that set list from the Red Rock show. I'm going to read that right now, and I know this is compelling radio for anybody listening, but check out this 26-song set list. Because Peter Frampton was not able to perform that night, Cheap Trick ran the whole thing. There was no opening act. This was the set list. Hello there. Oh, Candy. Big Eyes. Look Out. California Man. On Top of the World. Voices, Ain't That a Shame, If You Want My Love, Magical Mystery Tour, Baby Loves to Rock, Heaven Tonight, Tonight It's You, The House is Rockin' with Domestic Problems, In the Street, Don't Be Cruel, Borderline, Stop This Game, I'm Waiting for the Man, The Flame, I Want You to Want Me, Dream Police. Now you'd think we got to be, you know, that that's it, right? No. Never had a lot to lose, surrender, gonna raise hell, and good night. That is an incredible set list. And you're right, most bands would not be able to pull that off. Most band have a strict 90-minute set, and that's it. 
cheap trick, they've, they've always been able to whip them out, and it's fantastic. You know, this uh, Peter Frampton not being able to go on reminds me of a, a cheap trick story I have where uh, I was living in Austin in the late 90s, and my then girlfriend, now wife, we drove, we rented a car and drove to El Paso, like a 12-hour drive, <laughs> to go see Cheap Trick play at an Air Force base. And um, they were headlining the show, and it was also Paul Rogers and Loverboy, I think. <laughs> and um, Loverboy were late. I don't know, they were late showing up, so Cheap Trick actually went on before Loverboy, uh -huh. which we were happy about because we needed to get on the road and get, you know, drive all the way back and return the rental car. <laughs> so uh, it worked out well that Loverboy were delayed wherever they were stuck in traffic or something because <laughs> we didn't have to sit through Loverboy. We just got to see Cheap Trick and head out of there. But that was great. Uh, Paul Rogers played and um, the he was playing All Right Now, you know, the free song. And there was a guy right in front of us singing along really loud, singing all night long, baby, <laughs> the whole song. Um, he was confused about the lyrics. but. <laughs> now, what do you look forward to from a new Cheap Trick record, Paul? What would you like to see? Well, I guess I would just like to hear one. Are they going to come out with one? Tom Peterson gave an interview to a DJ just last week, and he said that the album is completed. So, oh, well, be interesting to uh, give it a listen. I've um, kept up with T Trick on another um, a radio show, um, Little Stevens Underground Garage. Yes, a great sure show. Listen to that, and uh, he's been very generous to the band. Mm -hmm. you know, always playing a couple songs as the what coolest song of the world for the week. Yeah, uh, when they come up with a, a new record, so I'll keep an ear out for that. Well, their last two albums have been great, so. So I have high hopes. Yeah, we definitely are looking forward to this. We hope it happens soon. So, Paul, where do you see that a baby going next? I would just like to um, continue its march into new, more newspapers. Do you think we'll ever see like the that a baby movie brought to you by Pixar? Uh, well, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Nickelodeon show or Nick Kids yeah, or something. Be, Bring it all on, like, right? Get, get them on a package of diapers somewhere. Oh, that would be killer. Yeah, yeah. I really do enjoy your art. On the on the art side of things, I really do enjoy it. And your your sense of humor is fantastic. Oh, I appreciate that. And, um, the yeah. art's developed over these four years. Um, those collections of books, they start from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, probably to about a year ago of strokes. Yeah. And uh, the artwork, um, it has evolved through that process. So... So kind of fun to look back at how it started. Now let's remind folks of the comic strip that kind of brought you to our attention. There's a husband, he can't sleep. There's one panel of him. Then he sits up. Then he throws the cover off. He goes over to the window and screams. Why is the cheap trick in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? <laughs> so, That's a great one. Yeah, that, that, is, that is a great one. And uh, it, it's good to know that one of us is out there doing your, you know, doing your thing. It's fantastic. Um, oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just wanted to encourage people once again to go to Amazon and buy that. A baby rocks out. Two ninety nine, cheap. You'll love it. It's great entertainment. I can't recommend it highly enough. BJ, you bought it too, right, sir? Yep. Absolutely. 
And um, you can read it free every day at GoComics.com. Yeah, in fact, I, every strip that's run is um, is archived there. And we'll put the links for that in our show notes as well. I wonder when they're going to be announcing the nominees for next year. Um, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah. It's probably coming up pretty soon. You know, they'll first they'll announce the group that they'll be choosing from. And the last couple of years they've had where you could vote online. So I'm really hoping that Cheap Trick make the cut this well, let's year. Let's see, LL Cool J's already in, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Madonna. I'm trying to think who else they will saddle Cheap Trick with, you know. it all it, It's always some weird thing, like... One one alternative band, so like Soundgarden, Cheap Trick, uh, an old Motown act. <laughs> a doo-wop group. Yeah, and someone like right out of left field. I, I don't know who it would be, but this should be the year of Cheap Trick. Now they're getting down to putting like Green Day in, and you know they're in such a hurry. They're, I don't understand the big hurry to put the more recent bands in the moment they become eligible when they've made other bands wait so many years before they, you know... I mean, why not wait a few years for Green Day? What's I don't understand the big rush, except that I guess they're trying to get publicity and seem relevant and whatever. And and, and by getting pu- publicity, they do pick those oddball things that make people talk about it on Facebook or Twitter. Well, I appreciated the interview you uh, broadcast on your podcast with uh, Robin Zander and his thoughts on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I thought he had a very good perspective on it that... They get in great. If not, they're not going to let that define them. You know what their career's been all about. Well, who's the top three bands that you think should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame next? BJ, let's go with you. Well, the obvious is Deep Purple. I mean, that's just—it's like Ty Cobb not being in the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's—it's it's absolutely ludicrous. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I would say Cheap Trick. Oh, you know, because they're my favorite band of all time. But even before Cheap Trick, I would say Deep Purple. Just because yeah. it's, you know, beyond ridiculous at this point. Yeah. But it's it's just the crazy bias that seems to exist against anything that's kind of hard rock or heavy metal in that vein. There's this real bias from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame towards that. Well, there's actually... But if you, look, if you look at their criteria for what makes a band, like, influential and a long career in that case, I mean, everything describes Deep Purple to a T. Mm-hmm. So... Well, it's hard to believe that Todd Rundgren, the Moody Blues, King Crimson are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It just it blows my mind. The Cars, they should be in there. And of course, well, I, and then I, there's really great bands like Thin Lizzy and yeah. UFO and all these kind of great hard rock bands that they're never, probably never going to put them in. Yes isn't in there. T-Rex isn't in there. And it, also, there's this, Ameri- there's this bias from an American point of view, which makes bands like Slade and T-Rex really hopeless because... They were far more influential and popular in Go Europe for, than yeah. they were here. But, you know, shouldn't the Rock Roll Hall of Fame be more of a more worldly than that? But they just take it from an American perspective, which is another huge problem with the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. Because a band like Thin Lizzy, you know, they're known in America for one song, but that's America's fault. Yeah. <laughs> and they're much more influential and highly regarded in the rest of the world, so of course I want the monkeys in there just because they deserve it I I feel and uh, Chicago Doobie Brothers well I would say so look at a band bands. like Def Leppard yeah Def they're Leppard never going to put Def Leppard in just because of this bias 
you know, a band on the level of Def Leppard in a different genre would obviously be in there already, but because yeah. they're in the hard rock heavy metal genre, they're just dismissed. Or a band like Bon Jovi should obviously be in there and probably never will be, so... B-52s even, I mean, come on. Bad Company, they're not in there. You know, like, It's a long list. Yeah. New York Dolls, Pat Benatar. MC5 aren't in yeah. there. In wow. Excess, Boston. You can go on and on forever. The Zombies. Blue Oyster Cult. Come on. Blue Oyster Cult. Weird, weird, weird. ELO. Devo. Guess Who. Three Dog Night. The list goes on and on and on. Paul Revere and the Raiders aren't in there? That's criminal. Those guys were like garage rock, you know, the, the antithesis of garage rock. They, 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 they made it. That's crazy. Hopefully this year they'll put in um, Flavor Flav for his solo career. Yes, that's, that, you know, that's the other one right there we were talking about. So when Cheap Trick gets in there, Flavor Flav will as well. It's nothing against Flavor Flav. Well, he's in, he's in for Public Enemy, but yeah, I think he yeah. should also be recognized for his work outside of Public Enemy. And, the, and his VH1 reality shows. <laughs> you know, the important stuff, folks. I guess the good thing about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it leads to discussions like this. And, yeah. uh, you know, people defending their lists or who's off the lists and uh, who's deserving. And um, so I'll give, I'll give it credit for that. But again, I. I find the whole idea of a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame pretty ludicrous. Well, they're in our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We love Cheap Trick, and uh, we're just glad to fly the flag for them. Uh, just such a great band. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, we live close to a school here, University of Nebraska at Omaha. Just go by uh, Omaha now, and they are opening a brand new hockey arena, and the first band to play is going to be Cheap Trick. That'll be in a couple months. That'll be that'll so, be cool. I get to walk down and see him. Awesome. I appreciate uh, you uh, talking about my strip, and um, we talked earlier, and you had mentioned you have other podcasts, and um, one's on monkeys, right? Yeah, that we do Zilch on Monkeys podcast. We do the Podkist, which is uh, well, it's the big daddy of our. Uh, ship here. It's there. There. It's the one that started eight years ago. BJ has his show, the Rock and or Roll podcast. I love that title. Yeah, we also have the Kiss Room, and we just added Podcast Rock City to our little network. So that's very cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Joe, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Well, we have too. We hope to turn some of our listeners on to that a baby and. If you ever want to include uh, Cheap Talk in any of your comic strips, let us know. That would be very cool. <laughs> and uh, we hope to have you on the show again to talk about your favorite band, Cheap Trick. And we want to let our listeners know that we appreciate them. If you are listening to the show and are not a member of the Cheap Talk Facebook page, we want to encourage you to do that. Join us there. There's a lot of great discussion there. We look forward to seeing what Data Baby does in the future. Thanks, guys. And do you have a website people can go to? Data Baby does have a Facebook page. And then again, I would direct you to Go Comics, which is one word, and okay. uh, dot com backslash Data Baby. You can read his daily adventure there every morning. Excellent. And, and maybe if, if Cheap Trick do get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you can just have him go to the window and scream, like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that could be your strip that day. <laughs> I, I will do that for sure. <laughs> it, it, then show them like sleeping peacefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many years have they been eligible now? The first album, it needs to be 25 years, so 25 years from 1977, since what, 2002? Is that right? Yeah, I believe that's right. Makes so sense. So 13 years now, they've passed them over. So you could go back and look at all the bands that they've put in over the last 13 years, and they chose all of them over Cheap Trick. Well, you guys I'm are sure that would be enlightening. You're both in the Midwest, right? So you could uh, drive over to Cleveland for the induction ceremony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty hard tickets to get, aren't they? Yeah. Well, it's in an arena now, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure where they do it. I know that when you know when Kiss got in, it was pretty hard to get your hands on a ticket, right? Yeah. So, what of you are from Madison, Wisconsin? Yeah. I'm, I, well, I'm from a uh, suburb of Milwaukee originally, but. No, you're Madison. Yeah. One of my uh, new favorite bands is from Madison. They're a band called Masked Intruder. Yeah, yeah. Pop punk band. Yeah. Pop punk, yeah. They remind me a bit of the Ramones. So. Yeah, I've heard them. I haven't I haven't gone out to see them, but yeah, they're pretty nationally known now. What right. la- They're on a, a bigger label, aren't they? A bigger indie label, I think. Uh, yeah. Fat Wreck Records? Yeah, f- yeah, yeah. That's pretty big. That's the No Effects guys label. Um, yeah, they're playing our uh, Omaha Punk Rock Club this week, so I look forward to checking them out. They all, wear, they all wear ski masks, right? Color-coordinated ski masks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. There's a band that used to do that back in the day. Um, Lust Control. They used to wear nothing but ski masks. Other clothes, but they would wear ski masks. <laughs> Oops. There was a band that was on Sub Pop in the 90s. I have a couple of singles by that were ski masks, too. They had the family-friendly name of The Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, BJ. I mean, really. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Well, is there any this new is... music you guys are listening to? Um, yeah, my, my favorite current band is a band called The Biters from the Atlanta. Biters. Yeah, really great rock and roll band. You, you would probably like them. Okay, yeah. Oh,
album, the cover of their new album, one of the guys is wearing a Cheap Trick button on his leather jacket. There you go. They're huge fans of bands like Cheap Trick and stuff. Yeah, they're really great. Their their new album just came out like two weeks ago, maybe. It's a nice thing about um, this digital age. Like you know, after this podcast, I can go give these guys a listen. And I think back to you know mentioning uh, graduating high school in 1980. You know how, what trouble it was to try to put together a tape compilation or yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, know, you really you know, need could, to you really need to check out PJ's show. Rock and or roll. Yeah, you really need Good. to check that out. <laughs> and with that familiar barking <laughs> yeah hey this has been a uh, fun time for a Tuesday morning so thanks yeah. much guys <laughs> Paul we would like to thank you for being on the show and of course once again people can go to amazon.com get that a baby rocks out and that's Paul Trapp is the author we suggest you check that out Paul we want to thank you for being on our show today oh, it's been a, it has been fun thanks guys thanks Paul and we hope to see you on future episodes. And please keep cheap tricking. Hey, I want to thank you guys. I know it's time is precious when you have a family. And to uh, put together a podcast, I know there's going to be a lot of editing involved. Salute both of you. So thanks for doing this. Well, thank you. Okay. Guys, you have a great week. Thanks very much. You too, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Good to, talk <laughs> okay. to, good to talk some cheap trick. Okay. See you later. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap tricking. So were you recording when your dog was barking, Ken? Some of it. You should put that after the end credits. Just you saying, shut up! <laughs> yeah, because I need to have people think I'm abusive towards animals. <laughs> they already don't know what's going on with you and elephants. Yeah, so. elephants fucking. <laughs> yeah, go uh, check out the Biter's song, Melody for Lovers. There's a okay. video on YouTube. That nice. would be a good place to start. Melody for Lovers. we Will do!